Hey, yo, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? This is BD Rose, and welcome to Twisted, my SVU podcast. So we're going to be capping episodes from the series Law & Order SVU from episode one. Now, before I get to the episode, I want to talk about them. I want to talk about a topic here. It's going to be a couple of minutes, okay? So, do you, do you remember watching Mad TV? And on the show, Deborah Wilson was a former cast member on that show. So, last week, Deborah Wilson came out and said that she quit Mad TV because she wasn't getting a raise. And then, she, and then she also said that the white actors or some new cast members who are white, though, they're getting a, a lot of money instead of her. So, she decided to quit the series. And um, she never spoken about this for. I mean, she left. She left um, Mad TV back in 2003, after eight seasons, and she was the last of the, the original cast members of the show. So, and right now it's 2021. So she waited 18 years to come out with her story. Well, why is she coming bringing it out right now? I mean, I mean, I'm nothing against her. I mean, um, she shouldn't have just. Um, came forward sooner after she left Bad TV, but I'm just saying, just common sense. So, um, I gotta admit, I used to watch a lot, I used to be a fan of Mad TV back in the days, the know, they had like, um, Van Colton Lady, and the UBS guy, and Deborah Wilson doing that best over impression though, and you got Stewart and Mrs. Swan, and all of a sudden by the early 2000s, mid-2000s, Mad TV took a nosedive in ratings. It's despite Keenan and Kel's success on the show, I mean, the series wasn't even that funny. And um, I remember a few years ago that the CW network had a Mad TV reboot, but a few years ago, but that, that got canceled too. Why? Because it was not funny. And the cast, new, new cast members had no experience and all that stuff. So, so right now, Deborah Wilson is bringing out this revelation about that Mad TV, is that um, and you know it's just show business because you know this, and she mentioned that she mentioned something about showrunner who run that show, but I know the guy's name, but I'm not gonna give it to you. But I want to say is like Dick, I say that the guy's name is Dick Blasushi. I don't know, so I don't know if it was him or not, but um. It goes to show you that us so black people we're not being appreciated or respected in this country and the business. So it goes to show you that the higher ups, the higher ups, they don't even give a damn about us. So we gotta keep on fighting, keep on pushing. That's what the oppression has said. So I mean, um, I wanna say is, you know, good luck to Deborah Wilson and come forward. I mean, you waited like maybe eighteen years, but other than that, um, other than that, goes to show you that the business, the business, the show business is kind of hard sometimes. And also, it could also be cruel, and they could be picky, and um, you're not gonna get anywhere unless you sell yourself, and like selling your body. But I don't want to go too deep, so um, I'm gonna keep it short and simple. Now. Last, this is my second episode, so um, I left out some information about um, 
the first episode of Law and Order SVU, and uh, it, and the first episode episode aired on September twentieth, nineteen ninety nine, and I was I was watching the two, and that first episode called Payback. It was written by Dick Wolf. You know, he was the producer of Miami Vice. And he changed the style, look of the show to make it more like from bright to dark. And um, and then after he did work on Miami Vice, he did Law and Order, did a pilot for um, for CBS, but it didn't get picked up. So he shopped at NBC, and second time's the charm. So, um. And then after that, ever since then, that says Law and Order. Be, they've Law and Order's been running for thirty years now, especially when the spinoffs like SVU, which is in its twenty-second season. So um, he created Law and Order back in nineteen ninety, and then nine years later, he created a spinoff called Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And he wrote the first episode of the series, and that's the and it was directed by John D. Zegonzak. He was uh, some like a director of uh, NBC's other show called Homicide Life on the Street, which also saw Richard Belzer. So, and and then, however, you know, I think the thing that I think Law and Order SVU has this connection to Homicide because uh, they've, but they, uh, Law and Order and Homicide did a crossover episodes. So, um,. And that's how SCU got started. I mean, they brought in John Munch in to the spinoff. So it's related, you know. I mean, not relating to my aunts and uncles. Well, I'm related to my aunts and uncles, but enough about me. So I got, I, I let me say something. I got a big, big family. I got many, many cousins. And I'm not talking about kissing cousins like Elvis Presley. Now, I mean, we I have one big happy family, and and nine well, well maybe kind of dysfunctional like Mary with kind of dysfunctional like um our money from Mary with children. But anyway, um, that's enough about me. So let's get to the episode, right? And um, last week, you know, we last on the last week though, the first episode, there were two women were accused of stabbing a cabbie to death because the cabbie who used to be a soldier was raping them a few years prior in another country so the two ladies got revenge on that cabbie for raping them years ago in uh, a few years ago back in um somewhere in the middle east the european country or some shit you know so um right now we're gonna be going to um it's episode two of Law and Order SVU, and I'm and I'm gonna change the title of the show. It's it's called um I'm a but this is my second episode, and the second episode is Sex and the Single Girl. All right, this is a uh, Law and Order SVU season one episode two, aired September twenty seventh. Of 1999, you know the 90s and the shit, right? That, and it's written by Miriam Katzen, and the director was Lisa Leslie Linka Gladder. Um, am I saying it right? All right. So, as it starts out, um, 
we had best we have Detective Benson. She is leaving the store because Shory brought like um some stuff from the grocery store, you know, like and you know the Korean guy owns the store or like that. So as soon as she is just heading home, though, she walks over to a crime scene, and and what she found was a dead woman wearing only a red slip on top of a police vehicle or maybe some vehicle something like that though and um tell, tell the cops to, and she tells the cops to cover her up so she goes upstairs and there's sailors there in, in the Victor's apartment and check guess who's there with sailor it's Gaffney from Homicide Life from the Street you know um I think it was Captain Gaffney I mean, I remember his name. Was it Walt McPherson? He's actor Walt McPherson. He played Gaffney on um, Captain Gaffney on Homicide Life on the Street. That's the show I used to watch, right? And um, and um, they Benson, Benson arrives at the apartment, and then there's, there's a crime scene going on because there's like um, wine. And, I mean, there was um, a glass of wine, maybe half filled, something like that, with fingertips. Looks like the victim has some company over. Or, in other words, maybe the victim has sex with the um, guy before she was pushed to her death. So, um, they, they investigate, they, they're looking at this case as like a, a murder and all that stuff. So, and, um,. After the cold, as it was cold open, so the opening scene, we're in the squad room, and they do an investigation on the on the woman who was pushed out of her apartment, and her name was Gretchen Quinn, and she was a writer at some, uh, not a writer working at some fictional newspaper, or something like that, or a common list or something like that, though. So. Um, she was seeing a doc, a shrink with the name of Dr. Daniels. So, Cragen sends Benson and Savler back to the crime scene again to talk to some neighbors about what they seen or what they heard the night before. So, um, they went back to the victims. They were outside the victim's apartment, and then they were shooting, they were talking to one of her neighbors or something like that, though. And then all of a sudden, there's a couple approaching, say that they was gonna rent the apartment. Uh, rent the apartment from. The, they were, no, excuse me. Let me break it. Let me go back to Dan. Okay, there's this couple, right? They arrived, and they told business sailor that um, they wanted to. Um, uh, by the dead woman's apartment and guess what today was their lucky day because Sable let them take the, um, the old the old fictitious apartment so um, after that you know Spencer Sable was talking about family life and then she said that she has an apartment and she it's not even there often because she's always working and she want, and then Sable's got like a big family and stuff like that though so after the talk, you know, we see next scene, you know, we see that's Detective Stabler at home with his family, and you know, his daughter's on the phone, and he's fixing the sink, he's fixing the sink because it's clogged up, right? So here comes his uh, youngest son, uh, Dicky, something like that, though, and he asks um, his his mother that he left a, a pet turtle in the sink. And what happened was that Stabler accidentally killed the pet turtle. And that's the reason why the sink was all clogged up in the first place. 
get some liquid drain on or something i mean will it work i don't know even about that though so um the next day we're in the courtroom and there's andy Harmon, the prosecutor something like that and he questions um you know dean winters aka cassidy about subway groper and um it was another um andy and there was another defense attorney uh, i don't know the actor's name but he asked him he asked um dean winters what's um sexual term when there's groping and something like that and rubbing and stuff like that and then um Dean Winters says fromage <laughs> that's fromage that's like a pastry man <laughs> and then the defense attorney corrects um uh, Mr. Mayhem that's frottage yeah, I mean, that was, um, I, I mean, the Dean Winters, that was before he was Mr. Mayhem doing all this stuff, so, um, <laughs> he misspelled the sexual term as a pastry or something like that, though, from Marge. I don't know, I don't remember having from Marge, but I'd be eating, like, some, I used to have a chocolate croissant, and, um, the bagel, cream cheese, and uh, donut, or um, other pastries and stuff like that, though. But I don't remember eating it from ours, but I usually like a lemon bar, you know? I need my lemons, man. I need my lemons to stay healthy. Now, next thing, we go on back to the squad room, and and I forgot to tell you, this is an episode, there's no IC, no IC is not, is is. It's not in this one because he'll that'll he'll come in the second season. So um Benson and Saber arrive at um Craig's office and then they try they couldn't find the next can they couldn't find nobody, but they do know that her sister is living somewhere in um Denver and they couldn't reach any close friends or next can or fellas or something like that besides the center sister. But um they don't even know how where her life is, but that doctor she seen knows. So Benson and Saber go see um, this guy named Doctor Daniels, and this actor though he looks familiar because he played a defense attorney on the original Law and Order, and I'm not I'm not talking about this guy. I, his, his name no, it's, his name is not um, Ron Silver. All right, it's some um, Dennis something like that, but he been on um he had a recurring role as a um, defense attorney on the original Law and Orders all that stuff. So this time he's playing a shrink. So the shrink, Doctor Daniels, he um tells um them that her parents were dead a long time ago, and her sister lives in Denver. So. He don't know anything. He don't know much about anything. I mean, they was like, he everything. Everything he says is just like a patient, a doctor, patient confidential, and all that stuff. So we go to the morgue and um, check this out. There's um this um lady. It's not Tamara Tooney, but um oh, I get the actress name. That's Leslie Hendricks. And she played the uh, Emmy on the original Law and Order, and that was before Tamara Tooney takeover and stuff like that. So she tells him that um. And she um had a bunch of wounds and stuff like that, and so you know if you have it, I don't know. So, and then the next day we're back at Craig's office, and 
um, Mesin tells um, the Captain Kraken that that the they that the that she left messages. No one answered the message, and and uh, our doctor has been uncooperative. But um, however, though, Stable is there. He gets a call from somebody saying that the prints on um, glass of wine belong to her shrink, Mark Daniels. So she goes and shows you that um, Gretchen Quinn was having sex with the shrink before she was killed. So they go back to Dr. Daniels' office. And Dr. Daniels got his little mouthpiece waiting for him, telling him not to answer questions and then and all that stuff. So Best in Slavery interviewed him, thinking that he he was um he was a killer and all this stuff. But at that time but Dr. Daniels tells the, the tops that he was busy with another doctor at but but at the time she died. So Best in Slavery talked to the lady and she tell, she tells the doctor tells him that um, they have appointment and they don't want they don't want to keep their lives private and all the stuff. So um so um back at um as soon as they start start, start talking to the doctor, they was coming out of the building and then Stanley gets another call from this guy who turns out to be a columnist who works for a fictional newspaper. So um. He shows a picture of um, his Gretchen Quinn and all that stuff, but um, he um, he doesn't know her personally and stuff like that. Though, but he, he remembers that he puts her articles up and all that stuff. So um, so next so next thing you know, the business table are getting like um, getting some something to eat, and then it turns out that um. Um, Gretchen has to have has a series of expensive dinners and all that stuff. So they go to this restaurant, and um, the employees told Mrs. Savior that that she was with a news personality named Dallas Warner. So next scene, they go to his they go to his office, and there he is that, and that's Dallas Warner. Oh, that's oh right, that actor that that's the guy from Flashdance. I think it was Michael Nuri, something like that. Though he he plays a news anchorman, and in the scene, uh, he goes down being a prick or an asshole, something like that, arrogant stuff like that. Though, and um, and he tells Business Savior that he was with his wife or something like that. Though, and then, but he didn't want to give him too much of information because he was so cocky and stuff like that. Though, and um. When um, Benson and Sable talk to each other, though, Benson mentions that he's like the next coming Walker Cronkite. So, it turns out Ed Gretchen, right, she was dealing with two men before she died. I mean, she was um, sleeping with the doctor's strength, the doc, and then she was um, messing around with the day and the anchor man. So, she was seeing two men at that time. So, one of them could be be charged with a murder, but but that's not the case. So then after they see visit him at this uh, newsroom, something like that, they go to another restaurant, and this gay waiter tells them that they she notices their body language, and it, and then the gay waiter tells them that she was crying, and then guy and then telling her that the news news anchorman was already gone, and then no eye contact stuff like that. So. Best let's say we'll go back to see um, Michael Nori, Dr. Warner, 
and um and then um Vanyon Bessie accuses him of killing Gretchen, Quinn and something like that though. And um and she also told and then uh, Gretchen also told the command that she was sleeping with the strength and stuff like that. And um and and then next thing he knows is that Benson wants to expose him about his affair to his wife and kids and stuff like that. So and then and they they have they they start it leads into an argument. So um, Sailor pulls Benson to the side and then and he, and Sailor asks Benson he want to kick him in the nuts. So and um. He says that he'll take he'll take care of this alone while the message takes a break. So um Sable talks to Dallas on the rooftop and then and um he talk and he Sable asks him about his personal life, his family, life. I mean the dude the the, the anchor man got a wife and kids at home, but I mean why is he messing around with the side piece, Gretchen Quinn, huh? So Sable asks um the new the anchor man about his home life. He didn't want to talk about it though. I mean, he want to keep his he want to keep his life private and all that stuff. But so, however, though, Act Two, you know, we go into the second half. You know, it turns out that um, uh, the anchor man has an alibi because he was with his family at the time she died. So that rules him out as a suspect. So right, all right now, they they want to focus on the strength and the, the strength and all that stuff. So so um. And that explore them. So meanwhile, Munch is helping Cassie with the uh, pronunciation of words and stuff like that, though. So, um, and Medicine and Sabler, though, they're reading a bunch of books from Gretchen, articles from Gretchen, and what they find? They find an old ass book that was due 20 years ago at a school. And it's in New, it's in New Jersey. So they go to New Jersey and then and, and they had to investigate about the overdue book. And it turns out that the book belonged to not only Gretchen Quinn, but it turns out that Gretchen's real name was Susan Sardusky. Oh so something's not up. I mean, she so she so um Susan was is a real name, so she uses Gretchen Quinn as an alias and all that stuff, so and they decided to go back to see Dr. Daniels about um, Susan and all that stuff. So, and um, the doctor's there with his little mouthpiece right there. And um, Dr. Daniels tells him that um, that uh, Susan has been abused since she was twelve, and the abuse came from her father. And then when she uh, and she he also tells them that Susan ran away at age eighteen. She went from city to city to find comfort and all that stuff, though. So, and and man, I can't believe this. I can't believe that my father was like sexually uh, molesting, abusing, or in other words, sexually assaulting his own daughter. That is incest, and that's disgusting. The father's disgusting, man. Let me tell you something right there. So, um, and, um, Dr. Daniels also tells him that, uh, Susan had a trust fund. So, um, there's maybe, there, maybe there's a motive going around right here. So, uh, after the next scene, Sable is at home with his wife, and they was talking about, he's talking up to her about that case. He, then he's stripping down, stripping his clothes off, and then him and his wife can share an intimate moment, like hugging. And then, 
Sable's wife, which is um, her name is Isabel Giles, the actress, right? Um, she tells Stabler that um, he got like an ashtray, but Stabler didn't smoke. But um, she also told him that um, her baby son, Dickie, flushed in his toilet. He was smiling and all that stuff, though. I mean, they know they will. Well, they will. They they about they just hugging and touching each other. I mean, they having an intimate moment, and then we cut to Benson coming in to work, and the next day, and um, Munch is talking to her, and Munch tells Benson that her sister is here from Denver. So, Benson um, wants to find out that how could a woman, a young lady, run away from her father trying to find different men for comfort and all that stuff. So, so um, that later, a few minutes later at the squad room, it's just that um, the Savior tells her that the sister's there in the, in the interrogation room. So, um, they talk to... Um, Susan's sister and her name is Mrs. Travis and all that stuff and um they um and uh, Mrs. Travis tells uh, the cops that uh, she got into contact with Susan a couple of months ago and they said they wanted to build a relationship but that never happened so after they had a talk though after Mrs. Travis left though they noticed the way she dressed because she dressed more like Saks Fifth Avenue. I mean, she's like a shopper all like those, so like that. So they figured that um, they probably tr- touched the trust fund that Susan didn't. So they trying to figure out who's buying. So they go back to the special newspaper and they, they meet this guy and they want to get some like some some financial data and all this stuff. And it turns out that Mrs. Travis had her own account and. Um, they found out that Susan's abusive father is alive and has a living trust. And Craig wants to find out. He wanna he wanna know who these people is. So um, they go to they go with Benson Sailor, they go to see Susan's um, father. His, he has a job in New Jersey and he has a job and they gave they and they gave him the news that Susan has died and all that stuff. So even that, though, I mean, he and the abusive father, he moved on. He got a new family now, new wife and kid, and all that stuff, though. So, um, oh yeah, by the way, uh, Susan's father, though, he, that, he looks kind of familiar. But he, it, yo, check this out, though. The, the actor who was playing Susan's father, though, he was um, he played um, a doctor on the season three episode of Law and Order, and he was sexually molesting Doctor Olivia. You know, I when he's doing like a little exam, he must have put it, he put his damn fingers in a pussy and get rough and rough the office. That's like sexual assault right there. And Dr. Olivier, though, she has to record the incident for proof because at first no one would believe her. But that actor who that actor who that who played Susan's father, though, he played a doctor back in um, season three episode Law and Order. He's playing a um, a doctor, the actor. So he's trying to sexually molest, rape Doctor Olivia and all that stuff, though. So um, so when he got the news that her daughter has died, though, he tells her he he tells them that um. 
she was a sad person, you know, I mean, she had, like, so sad and all that stuff, though, so, um, sad child, so, um, after they interview him, Benson goes back to, um, Gretchen's old apartment, and she sees the, uh, the couple was gonna buy the apartment, they enjoying themselves, like that, so, and um, the next scene, um, Detective Benson goes to see Dr. Cragen, and they're having a talk, and Cragen tells her about this tale about um, staying in Atlantic City, and you know, back in the 70s, and then it's like, um, in other words, though, I mean, he was talking about Oblivion, and then Detective Benson was like, that, that she was going through the same thing, Oblivion. She's trying to deal with um, going to one man and the next man, trying to find comfort just to get away from her abusive father. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you that Susan, aka Gretchen, was promiscuous. All she's trying to, try to do is find some love and comfort and all stuff. So, um, the next day at the squad room, you know, the people are talking. You got Munch, Cassidy, and um, Jeffries. And the best of the Sabler. No IC there. They're trying to um, figure out the motives, all that stuff. And it turns out that um, Benson has a hunch. She figures that, um, oh, no, 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 no. Let me go back. Cragen trying to figure out that the doctor that killed Gretchen, Susan, aka Gretchen. And um, he, he found the fingerprints on a wine glass and all that stuff. But he was seeing another doctor at the time. So, but Cragen asked him why he isn't here being sweated by two of his detectives. And then Benson, and then Detective Benson stated that the doctor didn't do it. It was a father. And the motive was that, um, that Susan have uh, found uh, the trust funds and then somehow daddy tracked her down and pushed her through off the roof. So, um, and, and yeah, so it turns out that the fa- her father killed her because she found one of her trust fund checks. So, I mean, maybe the father killed her to keep it quiet. So, even though, what about her sister, Mrs. Tra- her sister, Mrs. Travis? And Detective Vincent decides to catch up with Susan's sister, Mrs. Travis, and they need to help to find some closure because, um, the cops discovered that um, Susan's sister has been abused too. So um, we see. Oh no, we go to uh, we at the um, outside the Waldorf Astoria. I mean, it, it used to be a hotel back in the days. And Waldorf Astoria is a scene where Benson catches up with Mrs. Travis to tell her to come back to the station, and she had to confront her father and and uh, find out, get some closure about um, um, Susan's or sister's murder, stuff like that. Even the Mrs. Travis said that she has a flight to catch and she wanted to go home. She didn't want to talk about it. But Benson tells her that she has been abused and she needs to just to get some closure and stuff like that, you know, and face and, face, and all that stuff. So, um, 
the next thing you know, we're back at the unit and they had a interrogation and her father's right there, sitting there. So Mrs. Travis is watching them and then she goes in and she confronts her father about the abuse and all that stuff and his involvement and his involvement with the murder. And he keeps saying denying it and they says Sway Pie and uh, she already knows that she he has a new family. You know, he has like a new wife and a, a new stepsister that was like ten years old. And she had a feeling that he was going to do the same thing to her, like abuse her and all that stuff. So, Mrs. Travis takes out a letter, and it's Susan's obituary. She reads it, and when she reads it, it reveals that Susan, a.k.a. Griffin Quinn, committed suicide rather than being murdered. That's some crazy stuff. That is the twist right there. So... She play. She says she's left behind two boyfriends. Um, her doctor and um, and the anchor man. It was perfect, except for the wife and kids. I mean, she had a fair and all stuff. And last but not least, her father. Her father had an abuser. And then Mrs. Travis shoves the the paper on her father's face. <laughs> It's all that emotion. I mean, all this good act. That was good acting right there. And Benson just watches it and all that stuff. And the end. So that was some good acting right there. It was a good episode. So the plot twist is going on here is that um, about um, this um, Susan, aka Gretchen Quinn, she committed suicide. And and they thought and then before that they thinking that um, that the shrink and the anchor man were responsible for her death, but it turns out the father was responsible too. But he didn't kill her; he killed her emotionally and everything like that. Though, so he he messed her up completely. So damn. So so the mystery is that that she wasn't murdered though she committed suicide because she couldn't. Face up to a father, stuff like that anymore. Father, I mean, you know, I mean, the father, you know, he did it to himself because he uh, physically, damagedly, mostly abused her and all that stuff, though. Damaged. But anyway, it was a good. It was a good episode. I mean, it was like um, crazy. So all of this incest and um, oh, what do you call sexual abuse? And um, that is disgusting. Man. You know what I'm saying? And um, raping your kid that is filthy. I mean, it's how special you could be. I mean, we had experiences and we had experiences and all that stuff, so it's like, um, but the consequences, you know, it's like God will give you consequences, so you need to stop doing that, you know. So, um, hopefully, um, I hope you like the episode. You know, we there's no IT in it, and it's the 1990s, you know, it's like, um. Gretchen Quinn, she was like um, sleeping with two men, and all the stuff. It's not, it's not like Sex in the City. It's not like Sex in the City, like Sarah Jessica Parker and all that shit. You know what I mean? It was just one girl, not um, three, not one girl and three other women like Sex in the City. I mean, you don't got Sarah Jessica Parker and the redhead and the Christian Davis and Kent Cottrell and all that stuff though. You don't, they don't have that. I mean, it was just Sex and a Single Girl. And oh yeah, I forgot the title of the episode. The title of the episode was um, "A Single Life," season one, ep- season one, episode episode two, "A Single Life." I think I forgot about that one. So um, 
Sorry, I left that left that out though. You could put a dunce cap on my head. So hopefully, um oh yeah, by the way, also wanna let you know about um, got some new good news that Benson and Saber is gonna be reuni- reunited at last. Because um check this out. Um just Christopher Maloney got his own series called um, Law and Order Organized Crime, and it will air April 1st right after a new episode of SVU. So, the, the new episode of SVU will be a crossover event because Stabler will be back on the show. And after that, though, it's a, it's a spinoff featuring Detective Stabler. So, and a lot of people are anticipating for that reunion and stuff like that. So, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like good times like Jimmy Walker Dynamite. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast. You know, I mean, we're gonna bring you some '90s stuff too. You know, like the SVU the '90s, SVU the '90s. Yes, I'm talking about NSYNC, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Ricky Martin, Jeff Lopez, Juvenile, and um. Buster Rhymes and Eminem, you know, Mark Anthony. So, there's gonna be more to come. So, I'll see you next week. All right, have a blessed week. So, enjoy yourselves and take care of yourselves during this times of COVID and stuff like that. So, and do the right thing with Spike Lee. All right, this is Mr. BD Rose. I'm out.